Hey there, this is Jason and Paul, and we encourage you to follow us on Instagram at stateofloveandtrust underscore pod, where we can continue the conversation with you. Thanks for listening. And now, let's get to the show. Welcome back. It's another edition of the State of Love and Trust, a Pearl Jam podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jason Carapesi, alongside, as always, Paul Gillieri. Hello, hello to all of you out there. Um, we are going to do another retracking episode today. We have chosen to do uh, binaural, and uh, that kind of stemmed from you being very um, opinionated on on that album, right? Yes, yes. That... that uh that retracking to me is a necessary retracking. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I feel quite as strongly with uh, my, my thoughts on Yield, Jason. Well, that's, that's the beauty of it is there are some of these albums that it's like, you know, we might not change much at all. Right. But there are certain thoughts that we have. I feel like with every album that will be like, well, some, some minor surgery here and some major surgery there. And that's the beauty of figuring out what the best track listing is. Yeah, binaural was a triple bypass, b- bypass, bro. That's what that was. <laughs> That's what that was. Yield to me is like, uh, I don't know. It's it's like, uh, it's not even an appendectomy. It's it's more like a, <laughs> it, it, it's like getting a cavity filled or something. A cavity know? filled? Yeah, it's just. So if I, if I remove. Minor dental work. If I remove the appendix, is that going to be a problem? <laughs> no, I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see I, the I think blood, gonna, guts, and gore that awaits your retracking. It, I'll tell you what. I, I have a feeling that we're going to be in different camps as opposed to the last time we were both in a very similar camp. But um, first, some housekeeping out of the way. Obviously, please follow us on Instagram, state of love and trust underscore pod. Um, please comment with us. We have lovely conversations uh, there and on the Facebook page. Um, same way you can find us there, state of love and trust. A Pearl Jam podcast, and um, I'm just gonna give some album notes before we get to our yield retracking. It's the only thing, only like main segment we're gonna do today before we get to our live cut and lyrics of the week. Uh, so this album was released on February 3rd, 1998. It debuted at number two, right behind. Wait for it, the Titanic soundtrack. We got bumped. My heart will go on, buddy. By Celine Dion, exactly. Yeah. So it sold 358,000 copies, give or take, in that first week. Um, and it has eventually uh, sold over 2 million, so two times platinum, which is great. It was recorded at both Studio X in Seattle and St- Stone's Studio Litho in Seattle and mixed by Brendan O'Brien in his Atlanta studios. Now, this record is, in my research, I have found... This record is very much more a collaborative effort than the previous couple of records. And uh, Eddie was asking everyone to pitch in more full songs so he didn't have to kind of finish them while they were there. So, and, and Jeff reiterated that he really appreciated that. And Mike said actually a funny thing that he used to be scared of Eddie when it came to criticism and talking about how songs were going to be put together, but he found him more centered on this album. So overall, it felt like... Um, a more cohesive uh, recording session and thus maybe a more cohesive sounding record to some. So, you know, e- even as far as to sing lyrics uh, for Eddie by Stone and Jeff, No Way in All Those Yesterdays and then Pilot and Low Light, respectively, which I don't think had really been done. I think it's pretty much just been Eddie up until that point. And it was the last uh, album, as we know, with Jack Irons. Um, so there's that. And obviously Matt Cameron came on a few weeks into their tour. The last thing I'll mention here is that Jeff Ament um, said that Vetter's reaction to the rest of the band's new material kept everybody energized about their place in the band. And that this is the key, or this was the key to delivering the album that has become Yield. So while it's amazing as is, how would we retract this if we could? And now keeping in mind that there are some B-sides from that era that we can include, much like we did with Binaural, those four songs are Whale Song, Leather Man, You, and Happy When I'm Crying. Now, you don't have to use those. You don't have to use all the songs in the actual album, but you got to put something together that speaks yield. So, what say you, Paul Gillieri, about yield? 
So this album, it's interesting because it, it comes on the heels of what was a very tumultuous period in the band's history. If you look at uh, the way that No Code as an experience for the band almost resulted in, in tearing them apart. And, uh, you know, the band has attributed Jack Iron's presence during that session, during that recording session, as potentially kind of bringing them back together and helping refocus them, which we've talked about a few different times on a few different occasions. But uh, this album, in a lot of ways, it signaled a return to form. I remember when it came out, I was reading reviews on the album, and you know, a lot of people are saying, "Oh, it's their best album since 10. Or, you know, it's it's a return back to the, the the music they used to make in the ten era. Return to form so, has been a phrase mentioned a few times in this band's career. Yes, I know. And so this <laughs> this was the first time that I recall mm-hmm. uh, reading that in a review of their albums, which is interesting because it's like I, I think that there was this perception that they got derailed with. Uh, Vitology, but namely No Code, I think, was was the album that a lot of fans kind of said, all right, you know, it was the whole Ticketmaster thing going on. And and it was, was, like I said, it was a very tumultuous time in the band's history. So for a lot of folks, this kind of resulted in a return to form. And by return to form, I think what that meant was they stopped experimenting or so that was the perception. But if you listen to this album, I think that there's a lot of experimenting going on. And it's a far more eclectic album than it gets credit for. But on that note, in terms of retracking it, overall, I'm, I remain happy with the album. It's actually grown on me over the years. It wasn't an album that initially like, really grabbed me. I think that there were some standout singles on it. But as a, as a whole listening experience, it wasn't an album that truly grabbed me the way that some of their earlier work did at the time. What's changed from then to now that you find this a more compelling album for you? I think at the time um, I was drawn towards the, the, the melody, the melodic singles, things like given to fly and mm-hmm. wishlist. They, they really seem to eschew the, the kind of hard rock, if you want to call it grunge approach that we had seen on songs like spin the black circle and animal and, and things like that. And they kind of embraced, or, or even the, like the garage rock sound you saw with habit and hail hail on, on the previous album. But with this album, they seem to really embrace kind of this melodic harmonious. I don't want to call it single driven approach because I don't, that's not them, but I did feel that the album had more of an upbeat kind of cleaner sound to it. It was a bit more polished. Um, it seemed to be more of a focused approach towards what they were doing. I think it has arguably one of the best album covers in the band's history. Fantastic. Yeah. You look at this. Shot in uh, Montana. Yeah, exactly. On Je- the way Je- to Jeff's, Jeff's house. Jeff's exactly, exactly. And uh, I thought that the, as a concept, it was a really nice, re, uh, what was it? it's not a reaction to no code, but I think it's a, a, re, a reversal of course, I suppose. Uh, you know, you listen to songs like, like Faithful and, and No Way and, and even um, Do the Evolution, which was actually their first foray back into video, if, mm-hmm. if you want to call it that. Um, so there's a lot of great stuff happening in this album. So I don't feel that it needs, like I said, it, it doesn't need a triple bypass like I felt Binaural does. Uh, but a uh, little bit of dental work, and, and here's how I would go about it. Um, <laughs> caps. We'll give it, so, give it some caps. Some caps. <laughs> so I, I think uh, I would still start it the same way. I do still like Brain of Jade. I don't think it's as iconic an opening as maybe this album needs, but it seems to fit this album best. Uh, I go through, there, there's only one other track that I could imagine from this recording session that could open this album, but it's, it's a track that I've chosen to end. Can I guess it? Album. You can. I'm going to guess that your alternate opener is. You're never going to guess this one. Low light. No, Damn. it's not. Um, I, I, I can't imagine that song opening the album Me either, actually. but I was trying to think of the most random possible song. <laughs> so I would still open with Brain of Jay for that reason. Uh, I still like the lead in to Faithful. I think No Way is a, a perfect pivot. Um, given to Fly and then Wishlist, uh, I'd still keep that order there. Moving forward, I think Pilot and Do the Evolution. Well, hold on. Was well. Wishlist five? Uh, given to f- Brain of Jay. 
faithful, no way, given a yeah, flower. Right. Oh my God. Yeah. I always thought it was yeah. later. Yeah, no, no. It, 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 Sorry. It, it, it's almost squarely in the middle. So yep. I, I would keep the first five as is. And I, I was torn at, at, at one point I said, I'm pulling pilot off and I'm replacing it with you. Yeah. I, I can feel like similar. Yeah. Yeah. But then I thought about it and I thought, while I'm not a fan of the song pilot. And I do think that as a, as a sound sonically, I think you does what pilot does just better um, I realized that why don't you just take Red Dot off the album and put you in its place? So I decided I'd leave Pilot there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'd leave Do the Evolution and I would take Red Dot off. I think Red Dot's the kind of, it's, it's like a holdover from, from I something. I don't know what this was, man. It's, it's just, it's, yeah. honestly, if, if, they, if they wanted to use Red Dot, I would have used Red Dot in place of Hummus as a secret track, or I would have used it have as Have you been kind reading of, my notes? Uh, I don't know, man, but uh, I, I, wow. would have, <laughs> I would have worked it in that way, or I would have used it kind of as a lead-in the way they did, uh, what was it, Master Slave mm-hmm. in, in, in the beginning of 10. So I, I, I like what's happening with Red Dot. I think it's a very uh, interesting play on timing and it utilizes what Jack does best and, and his influence in the band, but it just doesn't seem to have, um, it doesn't fit on this album the way some of these types of tracks work on Vitology. Mm. I mean, I, I've always felt Vitology was Pearl Jam's white album, you know, and <laughs> this particular album here, I, Red Dot just feels to me like it, it, it's just kind of an experimental foray into something and it, 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 it's supposed to be a break, I feel like, but it happens at a place in the album where I don't feel like it adds anything. It doesn't add any texture. So let me or, ask you this then. So you're bringing in you for Red Dot. Mm-hmm. Red Dot has the lyrics, we're all crazy, we're all crazy at war. Okay. You is basically a song where the subject is pining for some The love song. Yeah. Love song. Give but here's why. Here's hold on, why. Hold on, here's my question okay, though. Go ahead. So it might, might lead you to, that, to, to what you're going to say. So the theme of yield is to, according to Jeff, yield to nature, to kind of let things go and lo- lose some of the control you might want to have over certain things playing out the way that, that, that you wish they would. A bit of that action. Pining for somebody else feels less in that area than we're all crazy at war, would it not? It it does. That's true. But I think if you if you look at the lyrics of this song, first of all, I, I like the way it plays with MFC as well. Uh, fair, very fair. And, and 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 I'll explain why. And this is part of the retracking, right? So if you look at a song like like you, towards the end of the song, he says. You break laws and pay no fines. You get yours and then get mine. Yes. I don't think it's easy to stay in love, but you, you, you. It's almost kind of like there's, this, there's more conflict in this song than I think people realize. Right. Uh, it, it's not this, you know, giving into great love and, and uh, there really is kind of a, you know, a, to me, there is an absolute yielding happening in this song. If you think about it, it might be your needs. It could be your eyes. It might be the way you sympathize. You break laws and pay no fines. You get yours and then get mine. I don't think it's easy to stay in love, but you, 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 right? So to me, it absolutely thematically fits with the okay. album. And what I love about it is you, you kind of have this person that almost can't say no, right? And then you work that straight into MFC. And if you think about the lyrics of MFC, there's no leaving here ask and I'm an ear she's disappeared right so it's almost like you kind of have this this yielding into this relationship and then the last line of MFC is will disappear you know Mm. so I kind of feel like it's a car song you know it it falls in line with the categorical car songs and the, Mm -hmm. the Pearl Jam catalog but I feel like there's a great little narrative being told here I like your thread because I I didn't I wouldn't have thought of that thread and when I get to my retracking, you'll see I've, I've built a completely different thread. <laughs> That's okay. But to yeah, me, yeah. it's like the, the, there's this little relationship 
I see it now happening here, you know, and, and the she in both songs to me, you could, you could read it as the same sure. person, you know? And so, so I would go that route there. I would replace red dot with you. It lean into MFC and then, uh, I'd stick with low light and in hiding and push me, pull me. And now here, here's the blockbuster drop. You ready for the hammer on this? You're just going to remove all those yesterdays and put in hummus. <laughs> we are removing all those yesterdays because it's a try. I, you know me, man. It, it's arguably one of my like least it. favorite tracks in the Pearl Jam catalog. It, but and, you know, and that's no disrespect to Stone. It's a Stone song, but I feel like this is not one of his his shining moments personally. So, how would I end this this album? Well, if you go to PearlJamOnline.it, okay, mm-hmm. it's an Italian website that basically. Uh, catalogs Pearl Jam recording sessions. Okay, mm-hmm. so it, it, it'll tell you every song that they recorded, including the, the session name at the time. What you will find is that there are particular songs that actually ended up on binaural that were recorded initially during the Yield mm. sessions. Songs like Thin Air and Parting Ways and Of The Girl. Now, no, I'm not suggesting that any of those tracks should be on uh, on yield but there is one song that i did not realize uh, or if i or or if i did realize i forgot was was actually recorded in the studio and it's a song that i think would be the perfect ending to this album and it would be to this album i think what release was to 10 and the song i'm talking about is falling down Ah, you were talking about putting it at the back end of um, one of the newer records, right? I, I, I thought it would have been a great fit Backspacer. on Backspacer. If yeah. they had, I thought it would have been similar to the way they, they brought Better Man out of the woodwork. Wait, so they said, actually did a recording out. session? They recorded song? Falling Down. According to this website, they recorded Falling Down during the Yield recording sessions. So it lives somewhere in, in a studio capacity. Apparently, yes. It's not a lost dog. It is. uh, No, no, exactly. So, this particular track here, uh, I love. But if you if you listen to it, it just it is. It's an album closer through and through. It's it's good enough to open the album. I thought about using that song to open the album, and then it would like it would just get tore up with Brain of Jay, you know? So you right. have this, this beautiful melodic lead in with Falling Down and then suddenly Brain of Jay just hits you in the mouth right after that. And I still think that that, that can, can work. But um, if you look at a song like Falling Down, I'm just going to read a couple of the lyrics to you here. It's, oh, something to remember me by, something to place in your hand. Oh, something so you will feel all grown up when you call my name. I'm falling down, falling down. I don't know when I'll be up before your call. Please remember frozen like stone. To me, the, the story that's being told with, with you and MFC and, and uh, given to fly, uh, I, I feel like this would be the perfect bookend to this album. Uh, and if you look at the very end, I cannot apologize. That's the last line. What a great ending to an album. I cannot apologize. To me, it's, it uh, thematically fits with so much of what's ha- happening on this album that it would be the perfect closer. So not Leatherman 2, as that website mm-hmm. is now? No, nah, Leatherman and uh, Happy When I'm Crying, some of those, I, they're, they're fine as B-sides. I, I'd even say uh, all those yesterdays would, would have been a nice B-side. I, I know folks love it. I, I, I hate that song. All those paper plates. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> poetry all right well i can't begrudge you um i like the twist there at the end uh my retracking uh starts the same way i'm starting with brain brain of jay i love the one two three four one two three four right out of the gates i get pumped up every single time opening riff is fantastic and then stone syncopated verse riff gets my head bobbing every time jack's drumming boom eddie sounds great um it's got like a little dip for you to breathe which is different than other album openers but that's okay um it's you know lyrically it's very obviously about the mystery of john f kennedy's brain if you don't know about that story you can read up on it um but all the conspiracy theories out there talk about the shenanigans of it being kind of substituted in the autopsy and all this stuff so like you know Mm. where is it what's going on here and the bigger point being 
that the band that and Eddie is making is about order and specifically about Big Brother, the U.S. government covering things up, telling the public what they want them to hear to keep people in line. However, at some point, the truth will be revealed and the whole world will be different. They'll be relieved. Now, I like that that leads things off in such a powerful way, both musically and lyrically, almost like a warning. Okay? I go from there straight into evolution. Bang. Okay? Wow. One of the most obvious and direct songs on the album. Musically, it rips your face off. There's a reason it made the stage shake at the Garden in 03. And, you know, humans think because they have technology that they can just rape and plunder the earth. That's how we, well, I shouldn't say all humans. I should say uh, white Western people think that. Uh, hence the Indians line. And it acknowledges how so many cultures, including so-called democracies, simply just pass the baton to their kid or the like. So it's still happening today. We got the Bushes, we got you know Hillary and Bill Clinton, you got Trump giving his kids all kinds of power. So that's still gone and going on. And the line 2010, watch it go to fire. That's interesting because obviously that year has passed, but also because it's almost like an admission that this way of life, this way of thinking is unsustainable, even written you know, 12 years prior. So Ed may have only gotten the year wrong in that, in that way. Going from there, it feels like we have this, this possible dystopian future on our hands. And so what is, what is somebody on the outside looking in see? They got to get the hell out of there. So MFC coming up. You got to escape. You got to recalibrate. You got to have a think. So a song that Ed wrote while on the road uh, in Italy about getting away from your problems uh, seems apropos here. You know, there's a great lyric in there that says, they said timing was everything made him want to be everywhere. There's a lot to be said for nowhere. So, you know, I think especially now when we were all being asked to minimize our interactions with people and to stay home, that the idea of just hopping in your car and driving is massively helpful for people's psyche. You know, mm -hmm. I've done it. Driving around LA is actually not bad because people aren't driving around. So since there's fewer cars on the road, that seems to be something that people can do out here at least, get their minds off things and just crank some music, probably Pearl Jam, escape for a little bit and clear your head. Now, this is a song that I always wished was a little bit longer, but maybe it wouldn't be so many if it was longer. Moving from there. Bada bing. Thank you. <laughs> moving from there, I'm going to In Hiding. So naturally... After we've escaped, we've got to end up somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. Perhaps that's somewhere else and away from everyone for a bit. This is a song, music by Stone Gosser, lyrics by Eddie, inspired by author uh, Chuck Bukowski. And Book, as Ed refers to him, was said to have basically left society and gone and hid for like self-preservation from, from time to time. I guess he got this author and book from Sean Penn. And he was reading this right before he wrote the lyrics. And I totally get this, needing a reset, needing a break from society. You know, we really beat each other down a lot. Uh, maybe not intentionally, but life can just be super heavy, you know? And it's just natural that you want to break from it all. So I look at this in a similar way to why MFC was written. It's um, it's similar end games. Musically, it's fantastic. It's so epic. I think the pre-course is actually better than the chorus, but I think that the flow from MFC is, is really clutch there. Next, I'm going with Faithful. So after this subject comes back to life, so to speak, they've got questions. They're looking for answers that previously assumed beings would provide. Uh, those beings being God or gods or whatever. Musically, I love how it's a mountain. So it starts, you know, kind of modest and serene and it builds to this peak of just like crazy rock and roll. Got some huevos behind it, you know. Yeah. It's the apex of rock. And then it comes back down the other side symmetrically. It's a very odd arrangement for a song, but it's great. So this idea that we all believe in something, but we never hear back from them. And the only thing we can really believe in is, is love because it will, it will answer back in some way. Uh, faith in your relationship and the context of life that may be uncertain or stressful, you can always rely on and believe in love. So where does it take us? Well, kind of take this subject and kind of, you know, some years have passed and you know, some more life has happened. You get to pilot. Now, this is a Jeff song. He says he was, he had a dream that he couldn't, couldn't stop think, having. And so he, this was the, basically the questions he was having about the dream. And the, you know, the subject realizes that they may not have answers, 
but at least they know that love is still something to believe in. But what if you don't have love yet, or maybe it's gone away? All you've got left is, let's say, your dog, like Jeff says in his dream, and like uh, Punch's pilot says in Master and Margarita, which is what this is based on. He read this book, um, very famous book, and he recognizes that Punch's pilot's remorse for not tying up loose ends with Jesus before he was crucified is what makes him question things and have remorse. So with this song, I think you really need to apply your own journey here because the, the lyrics, um, the verses especially, are very abstract to me. It's asking the question, why am I scared of being alone at the end of my life? What do I have regrets about? Jeff has said that the answer to this, the flip side, is the song Low Light. That's the second chapter. That's the answer. So using Jeff's explanation of Pilate, this is his answer. Do not go through life with regret. If you find the answers you seek, you will be content. You know, there's no need to wear a mask and be someone that you're not. There's no need to try and be something different or conform to what others want you to be. You don't have to give those uh, ideas. Unless you're shopping at Trader Joe's. <laughs> you got to have a mask. Man. Then you got to have a mask on. They will not let you in there. <laughs> but a figurative mask, not a literal mask. So you don't have to hide, basically, is what he's trying to say. You know, be Karen yourself. doesn't hide from anybody. Karen doesn't hide from anybody. She's out there in full force. She's at Target. <laughs> she's at the gas station. She's, at, she's everywhere. Karen's not in this song, though. <laughs> No, thank God. <laughs> yeah, thank God. So, uh, where the hell was I? <laughs> Sorry, I totally derailed you. That was a funny break there. So, you know, you don't have to hide behind a mask. You don't have to give things that don't really mean anything to your life much light, hence the phrase low light, you know. Um, really hauntingly beautiful song. I think you mentioned it when we did our, our favorite Jeff's songs. Lyrics it's one of my are, favorite on the album. It's beautiful. It's a very it's a very clever song. It has different type signatures. Um, the lyrics are somewhat tough to digest, but once you learn what Jeff's interpretation of the songs are and why he wrote them, it starts to kind of make sense to me, especially after reading why Pilot was Pilot. So I think those two have to kind of go back to back as chapter one and chapter two or act one and act two. Now from there, you go into the first single off the album, Given the Fly. So the questions in Pilot... And there's answers provided by low light, but now it's time for the subject to be reborn. Okay. They've got to find new meaning and they got to ignore society that's still nipping at his or her heels. And they've got all this love to give, but what do you do with it? Well, according to Eddie, given the fly is about rising above anybody's comments about what you do and still giving your love away. So we know the world is harsh, right? Sometimes you just want to need to get away. And, you know, finding strength to run away is easy, but finding strength to be yourself confidently is much harder. And this song tells us we ought to be the latter. When you love yourself, you will feel light as a bird and fly. Give your love away and you will receive it back. Musically, it's incredibly anthemic, as we know. Kudos yet again to McCready for crushing it with the main riff of the song and the build up, the whole thing. And it just, it's just, it's fantastic. And it's one of the most iconic Pearl Jam riffs ever. And I can't wait to do For a show sure. on our favorite riffs off each record or our favorite riffs from whatever. That's going to be fun. And this is going to be in there. As it should. From Given to Fly, I'm going to wish list. So, searching for where to send one's love can be tricky. And it might make the subject question whether they need to be or do something that they aren't or have. It's the quietest song on the album. And this list of wishing is actually divided into two halves for me. It's separated by the line, I wish I was as fortunate, as fortunate as me. So the first half, the subject is kind of wishing for things with like this negativity. Why can't I be this or that or the other? All the wishes are focused on what he or she can be or have. After that line, all the wishes are with the intent of benefiting someone else. Someone the subject loves it's much more selfless wishes. I think it's like a little turning point. We move to no way. This gives way to self-confidence. Now the subject is comfortable with the choices they've made, the love that they've given and received. You know, Stone has said that no way expresses the idea that people just need to live and quit trying to prove something. Okay, great. So for a long time, I looked at this song as having a negative context, lyrically speaking. Someone who was down and out and had sort of given up on themselves. But after reading Stone's quote about this song, I kind of re-listened to it and realized that it's actually a very freeing song 
people, especially those who are control freaks like myself, get wound up constantly because there are so many variables in this world that we cannot control. It's stressful. We need to learn to let things just happen and regain some self-awareness. The yield, my man. Yield. That's the name of the album, right? It's, it's right here in the song, No Way. I thought of this line today when I was doing going through my notes here. And it comes from the movie, incredibly enough, Wayne's World. Huh. Campbell says, live in the now. <laughs> That's what it is. Live in the now. Musically, I think the song is awesome. Uh, they didn't play it for a long time. There's a big gap between playing it. Um, and it feels, it feels different to the rest of the catalog. Um, at least at the time it did. And the fact that it saw such a long gap in between plays in, in the concerts can actually give it like a mythological feel. Um, sort of like how Breath did until 98. Um, and when they finally brought it back, it sounded different, it sounded heavier. Than, than the album version, at least. And I'll do a quick aside on No Way. You should, because you have a great personal story here. Oh, you're leading me perfectly here. Exactly. So in 2006, Pearl Jam played The Forum here in Los Angeles. I went to both shows. One of the two shows, I forget which one it is, went with a friend of mine. Her best friend uh, happens to be Tim Robbins' niece, the actor, Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins, obviously very good friends with Eddie Vedder. So you can actually hear... Um, at the end of the song, when they play Rockin' in the Free World, Eddie dedicates the song to Tim's um, niece, Chelsea. So anyways, we get to go backstage. And at the time, I'm like, this is 2006, so I am 24. And they're all like four or five years younger. Uh, they're like my sister's age. And so they're kind of like awestruck. We go into the bowels of the form, and they're a little awestruck. Me, I'm wearing my Free the West Memphis 3 t-shirt because, you know, that's what you do, being a cool guy. And they weren't out, out yet, so Eddie was like, oh, I love the shirt. And so I had to ask him about, you know, I was at the Reading, Pennsylvania show, Vote for Change Tour in 04, asked him about that, yada, yada, yada. And I said, eventually, I go, you know, thanks for playing Leash again, because I just started playing Leash again for the first time in a while. I said, you know what, it's going to happen now. There's going to be a new song, um, you know, like a petition, as it were. And he goes, oh, yeah, what's that? And I go... No way. Bring back no way, man. I would, I would love it. We would all love it. He turns to Stone, who's in the back of the room, smoking a thick as fuck stogie, pardon my French, with none <laughs> other than Dennis Rodman. And he goes, hey, Stone, this guy has a demand for you. And I go, no, 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 no. It's just a request. Uh, it would be super cool if you played no way at some point. No, no big deal. Don't kill me. So he had a good chuckle. That's my, that's my Eddie Vedder story. But my point is, is that No Way is awesome. It and is I awesome. like how it's at the back of this album because it leads- It was my, on my first listen through this album, I'll never forget when I finished all the tracks, I thought to myself, Way is my favorite song on the album. It was my immediate favorite track. It no longer is, but on, upon first listen, it was my favorite track on the album. It, it just felt, in 98, it felt different than anything else they had put out to, to mm -hmm. me. And it felt, it stood out in the album. So, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, I believe it's a drop D song, which is only on a couple other songs I can think of, uh, habit present tense, but it just, it just is different. It's, it's in its kind of own little ballpark. So the theme of that song to me feeds really well into all those yesterdays, which is going to live on this album. Okay. Oh, damn so, it, Jason. I know I had to do it. <laughs> now everyone including myself, needs reassurances at some point. So I think this song, the subject is actually now full of wisdom and they're helping a friend to not be afraid of the journey that they've just been on. Or maybe so, they're falling down because of that friend. Okay. What do you say? You, you, you had your chance. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, this is another song about being yourself, not worrying about what others say or do, releasing the past. It's a reassuring song. The subject trying to convince a friend that it's okay to escape. They don't have to hide or drug themselves into feeling like they should fit into society. You know, if you want to be yourself somewhere else, do it. You know, musically, it gets, to me, better as it goes. I really enjoy the outro and the, the vocals there that, that repeat all those yesterdays. They repeat in your right headphone or the right speaker, and they seem to grow in stature as it progresses until everything finally fades out. It's really interesting to me how that is. It's sort of like the volume kind of goes up while the rest of the track stays the same. You're like, am I hearing that louder now? Am I hearing that louder mm -hmm. now? I love the dynamic there. 
So this song, this is the song that kind of reassures the subject uh, of no way that they're not going down the right path here. And I've got to end things with push me, pull me. Huh. This is the end game to me. This is the final realization of the subject of yield. This song is so strange, but I think it's one of the most interesting songs production-wise the band had ever done until Gigaton. It's, it's very industrial. Yeah, it's got it's got shit all over the place. Yeah. Weird guitar tones, weird sound effects. It doesn't really make any sense, but it's just very interesting, especially with headphones on. And you know, the lyrics are really intriguing to me, really thought-provoking. The idea of being kind of done with natural life of your own, that you recognize your insignificance. Maybe it's another foreshadow to, to the binaural record. Mm-hmm. And whenever nature says it's time for you to go, that you're cool with that. You know, bury me by the sea and let the tides push me and pull me out to sea forever. The subject is fine with this. And it's sad in a way, but also very freeing. So the music is not exactly my cup of tea because it is very strange. And I've never been a huge fan of spoken word. But the theme of the song and how it fits and kind of puts a punctuation on the theme of yield is, I, I don't know how it couldn't close the album. I think it's, it makes a perfect little bookend. And coming back to Red Dot, you said it. It should absolutely be at the hidden track. I think that whole thing about we're all crazy, we're all crazy at war is an interesting little aside that while we're on this journey together, oh, by the way, we're at fucking war. We're all crazy at war. That's mm-hmm. like happening in parallel with this person's journey. So that was a long way for me to, to to string a narrative together. But I think it's an interesting way to listen to the album. So if you're at home, you got your iTunes or whatever you got, put this together. Put Paul's together. See how you like it. Put mine together. See how you like it. Tell us which one you like or tell us to go F ourselves and make your own. Yeah, just be a cloud dropping rain, discarding all thought. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to our lyric of the week. All right, Paul. This week's lyric of the week comes from Yield. Has to be, right? And it comes yes. from the first single, Given to Fly. Okay, so uh, great lyrics. Um, you know, we, we talked a lot about yielding, right? Um, now, this is a, it's, it, it's a positively affirming song. There's something that soars in this track. And uh, you chose these lyrics. And, and uh, I'm curious to know, like, what, what drove you in this direction? Oh, um I have always really enjoyed the song. Like you said, it's very, it's got this positive vibe to it. Um, the whole album has a more positive vibe than, than how negative they were in previous records, which is a constant um, kind of theme in uh, critics' reviews of the album at the time. And this last verse especially, I've always really enjoyed. And he still gives his love. He just gives it away. The love he receives is the love that is saved. And sometimes it's seen a strange spot in the sky, a human being that was given to fly. First of all, the, the, the meter, it just, it just flows so beautifully. And you know, for me, when you are confident in yourself and happy in your own shoes, you are more willing to pass that good vibe on, mm-hmm. to love your fellow man better. Yeah. And in return, you're going to receive the kind of love that you want to keep. You know, this relationship, this cycle of love allows you to feel free. So if I feel like it's every damn week, we come up with a song that seems to find its way to be applicable in any number of ways today. Um, you know, these are very stressful times and it's like you could apply this to any facet of the struggles people are having right now. And you know, allow yourself to to give that love away. Go go give money to a charity. Go give your time where you can, and you will find those good vibes coming right back to you. It's almost like a golden rule kind of thing. So um, the idea of feeling you know light as a bird and flying away and being free just because 
you use this currency of love seems pretty obvious, but I think we forget it a lot. And um, I'm always reminded of the uh, touring band DVD when he uh, brings up the sign, Eddie brings up the sign language um, gal. I think believe it her name is Kim. We should get her on the show. And yeah. um, he, he slow dances with her at the end because he thinks he, he thought that it was so cool to see someone signing his song, or I guess Mike's song, his lyrics. And it's just a tremendous, that's a tremendous version. Um, not one we're going to listen to coming up, but a tremendous version. And so that's why, that's why I liked it. That's why I thought it was um, very encapsulating of the, of the Yield experience. Actually, I almost changed it last minute because there's another song that I really want to get to at some point. But uh, that's where I thought, you know, where do you stand? You know, I, uh, I'm with you on, on all that. I, I think that, you know, you, you have a lyric like this and it's just somebody that, that just finds themselves in a place where you, uh, you just, you feel free, you know? And, uh, I, I had this great conversation with my daughter a while back where she was very apprehensive about flying and, uh, we were sitting on the airplane and she used to get all tense and, and freak out and I'd have to hold her ears and I'd have to kind of like really cuddle her tightly, you know, during the, the takeoff portion because it was just loud and jarring. And it's kind of like that, that feeling in an elevator where mm-hmm. you're, you know, you're, your body's moving and you feel your inside swaying. And eventually <clears throat> I told her, I said, you know, I really love to fly. It's one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> she said, why daddy? Why? And I said, because I'm not a bird. And I'll never be a bird. But when I see a bird, I always wonder how amazing it must feel to have wings and to fly, to be given to fly. And she goes, well, how can we, why do you like flying on an airplane? And I said, because it's the, it's the closest that I'll ever be to feeling like a bird. And something clicked for her in that moment where that I, I said that to her on a flight right before we were about to take off because, because I was trying to mitigate the, the trauma that I was yeah, about yeah, to come. Yeah. And sure enough, she, she just kind of gave into that, you know, she just was given to fly. And uh, so that song, it, whenever I listen to it now, I always think of that moment. It's a very personal moment in no way, shape or form. Does it necessarily connect lyrically or no, but, you know what? Song. but go ahead, go ahead. You, you, you gave your love, you just gave it away. Mm-hmm. The love you received is the love that you saved. So it was the cycle right there. Just, yeah. just making that analogy absolutely worked for her. And so she then being comfortable was the love back to you. And so then she was free to be given the love. To enjoy this, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and then suddenly she was looking out that window with joy, awe, and wonder as opposed to fear and trepidation. Yeah. And, and for that reason, I think the the song and, and that experience will always hold a, a special place in my heart. It's perfect. That's all it needs to be said. It's a great analogy. Good story. Yeah. Thanks, man. All right. Well, uh, this is an epic song, and I can't wait to get to our live cut of the week. Ready to stand up! All right, Paul, live cut of the week of Given the Fly. I imagine there are plenty to choose from, um, but from the Yield Era tour, what are we saying here? You know what makes this particular tour special was it was it was one of those tours that the band felt was so electric and so charged and full of energy and excitement and enthusiasm that they actually put out a touring album live on two legs to celebrate these songs yeah um and it really was a period of touring you know what i mean it's not just yield but uh this particular track comes from july 14th 1998 right here in la actually at the forum in inglewood and i have a particular fond place in my heart for the the july 13th show which i think is is one of the better ones they've ever done but it was the next night on the 14th that was a, it was a star studded show, man. You had, uh, Jim, Jim Carrey was in, in the crowd. Apparently Gene Simmons was there. Um, apparently uh, this is from two feet thick, their concert chronology that black go and immortality were actually on the set list, but were not played, which mm. I, I thought was fascinating because it when have those ever been on a set list and not played. I mean, for all mm. I know it's happened, you know, three dozen times and I just don't know about it, but those are, 
pretty much staples. Whenever they are on a set list, they do get played. So for those to be consciously left off is just an indication of how kind of in the moment the band was, you know, where they just kind of just went with it. And this particular version of uh, Given to Fly actually was selected from that Yield Tour to be on Live on Two Legs. So as much as it may feel like a bit of a cop-out to say, oh, the best version of this song, uh, you just took it off Live off Two Legs, that is a fair criticism. But I also think that, you know, like I said, it's, it's, it's from the Yield Tour. Uh, it's in, impeccable in its sound quality, as it should be, since it was included on a live touring album. So you're, that's an added benefit. But it's also part of a, a two-day show um, at the Forum here in L.A., that was very, very memorable. These were two particular shows that I think were, were some of the, the better ones from the tour. And the band just had a lot of fun with this one. They were really on and uh, they were goofy. They were having fun that night. You know, Johnny Ramone was there playing guitar with Mike on that, the, the final encore set. It was, it was just quintessential Pearl Jam. And so I think in, in this moment during this show, they were given to fly. You know what I mean? And so I think you hear that in the song and it's a beautiful rendition. And so that's why I think this particular cut from July 14th here in Inglewood is uh, the best version of the song that I've ever heard. All right, there it is.
Yep, that's um, that's a damn good version. And I love, they're very tight. I feel like there is some guitar interplay happening that's even more interesting here than on the album. Maybe I'm just hearing it more because of, of how live shows are mixed versus records are mixed. But they're, it's just, that era was fantastic. And that sh- song is fantastic. And when you have, I think when they have certain celebrities and certain um, musical colleagues, contemporaries, if you will, in the house, they kind of raise their game a little bit. You know, we went to the LA, now, now defunct, LA Sports Arena and saw them on the Lightning Bolt tour. Gene Simmons was at that show too. He was, I remember. And they just find an extra gear sometimes. And, you know, it, it's it's oftentimes places like New York and, and, you know, Chicago and LA, but there are obviously other places around the country where these, these, uh, these really interesting characters show up and, and enhance the show and... Pfft, you're hard to press the. F- they, they turn up to the forum and perform. They 06 did. was fantastic. 98 was fantastic. And this is no exception. Agreed. All right, gang. Uh, thanks for listening again. And uh, we're going to be back next week with um, another episode. We haven't figured out what we're going to do yet, but I have an idea. It may be something uh, live related. It may be from the mid 90s. So, hamster um, is turning the wheel. Oh. So, we will see you then, and until then, you're listening to The State of Love and Trust. Yeah.